what we do here is go back, 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 back. Hello again, welcome to another, another exciting episode of the Rugby Journey podcast today. I have Luke McCormack here, the president of Hunters Rugby Club. Luke, welcome, mate. Welcome to the show. Mate, thank you. Honoured to be here. Mate, firstly, let's start things off. Congratulations on the uh, minor prems and the club championships, mate. Obviously, job's not done, but you know. Well, it was a goal that we set out at the start of the year, and obviously, it's been a very disrupted year. We had a really good pre-season, and uh, you know, then a couple of months of complete radio silence, and then when we got back together, realised we had a short season, we set our goals. Club championship was one of them. We've ticked that off. Minor premierships, yeah, that, that's interesting. But really what we're focused on is the next two weeks and, and sudden death footy. So, yeah, we, we, we want three premierships in the grades we're still contesting. Beautiful. Do are the hillies, eh? Okay, so, Luke, um, as, as my sort of shtick here on the Rugby Journey podcast, tell us about your rugby journey, how you got involved in rugby, how you became president now of, of Hunters Hill Rugby, of the senior clubs. Tell us, tell us scale it back from day one. Righto. Well, uh, mate, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether you'd be shocked to hear, but I, I actually started life as a leaguey. Um, I grew up on the north coast of New South Wales, and when I was growing up there, rugby union was uh, on the coast. It was obviously very strong inland, but on the coast it was very weak. Um, and to, to the effect that there was not really a, a competition, there was no junior pathway. Uh, you know, there'd be sort of maybe one game a year at school, um, and, uh, you know, uh, effectively... Uh, everyone played league, and uh, that's what I did. I can tell you now, I played on the wing. You probably wouldn't realise that when you look <laughs> at me now. But, um, um, and mate, I'll be honest with you, I was a pretty ordinary foot, footy player. Yeah, um, I, uh, when I finished school, I went to university in Armidale, uh, yep. on the New England, yep. and uh, went up there. All my mates were, had been up there one year already, and they were all playing for a, a now defunct club uh, <laughs> called United Rugby, uh, the, the Mighty Dirty Ducks. And, um, you know, I became their number one supporter in my first year there and, and then was conned to come and play Colts. And, uh, you know, it was a wonderful experience. Um, then the New England rugby uh, uh, zone was extremely strong. Um, again, and it's really sad to be reflecting on this, but a number of clubs that no longer exist. Uh, Armadale old, old Boys, they were just an amazingly strong club. Uh, Armadale City. Uh, now, we played for United, which was a university side, a combined uh, a set of colleges. We played against Rob and St Albert's. And, uh, you know, playing in places like Urala and Gyra, Gyra actually has the highest football field in Australia. Really? And uh, yeah, right. in the middle of winter, you can imagine how cold it is there. Yeah. And um, I, for some crazy reason, had sh- shaved my head before my first game. So <laughs> I think I'd nearly died of hypothermia. But, look, that gave me uh, an opportunity to really understand what country rugby was about. Mm. You know, bus trips to Glen Innes, oh. uh, bus trips to Tenerfield. There is nothing quite like a, a, a two- to four-hour bus trip. Um, right. Stopping at small country pubs on the way home, drinking bottles of McWilliams Royal Reserve Port <laughs> and, and really finding yourself. So, uh, mate... Uh, wonderful years of my life um, and, and really formative years. And so when I left university, I moved to Sydney. I, uh, I had about half a season with Oatley um, and uh, I actually broke my finger. And I actually, at that point, gave rugby away for about eight years. Uh, I got married. I, I, I had started my professional career and I just struggled to find time and, and I just gave it away. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably a typical story. I think people... And it's, life is only busier now than it was in the mid-90s. But um, uh, I think at that time, everything else was distracting me and it was the one that had to give, give way. Um, 
So having not played for, for eight or so years, I was married, I'd had children, uh, I actually had moved to Brisbane and um, I, I had young children. Uh, my son and my daughter were both four years old and uh, they were red hot to go and start playing playing footy of, or organised sport of some kind. And, and having such a great experience with rugby, I wanted them to play rugby. So uh, turned up, uh, my son was four and a half, turned up at... Uh, a club called East Riverside um, in Balimba, and uh, met the club president, who uh, was more than happy to meet me, welcome <laughs> me to the club, and asked me whether I'd coached before. And next minute, I came home to my wife and said, "Great, the kids had a great set of rugby training tonight, and I'm the coach." Um, <laughs> and look, uh, that that started my coaching journey, um, and as it happens a lot, and yeah, you, know, you got to hand it to those club presidents that that have the. The, the, the guts to actually go and just rope people in because at the end of the day, volunteers is how we run our game. Yep. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be, you know, at the time I was a bit sort of put out. I just didn't know quite what to do. But, mate, at the end of the day, in, in, in under fives and under sixes, you know, it's all about skills and a bit of glorified childminding. Um, but, you know, I, I actually found I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I really, that was the start of just a great journey uh, with my children through organised sport and team sports. Um, when we moved back to Sydney, I rang a mate of mine. Um, we were living in Balmain, and at the time there wasn't really there was no Balmain Junior Rugby. I rang a mate of mine who I'd worked with. He was tied up with Warunga, and he said, "I said to him, mate, what what club would you recommend? You know, to get the young bloke into?" And uh, he said, "I oh, make uh, we're close to Dremoyne, but he just said, look, go to Hunters Hill. They're a good bunch of blokes. I think you'll enjoy it there." So again, turned up, training Tuesday night, start of the season, uh, club president came over and I've come home and I'm again a coach. Um, having had a little bit of credentials, that was okay. So, um, you know, I uh, ended up coaching at Hunters Hill uh, for, you know, about eight years, the juniors. Um, I had a, a wonderful journey with uh, both my son, but the cohort of players that, that we, we had in the local district, um, yeah, we were a very successful team and a very successful club, um, and it was a real uh, a gratifying experience. You know, in, in uh, I took them to the uh, the under thirteen A grand final, Sydney wide, and that that was something that was very special because these boys, for a lot of them, it was maybe the last time they're going to play together. Um, but I was able to keep them together for another couple of years, which is tough. Mm. A lot of them went to you know GPS schools. A lot of them went to. A lot of them were playing league as well on on uh, on Saturdays and and rugby on Sundays. Um, so to keep kids together as a cohort is really tough. Mm. But you know we had some wonderful times. A lot of them played rep footy. Uh, I actually ended up becoming the the president of North Junior Rugby um, at wow. the district. Yeah, right. um, so then got involved in rep rugby um, and again took. Uh, in, in, when they were in under 15s, I took the, the the Norse team. A mate of mine and myself coached the the team, and we went to uh, um, went to Mudgee to contest the state championships. Yeah. And and this team had been uh, there or thereabouts. They'd been in a number of state championship finals. Okay. Uh, that was really the year that I thought we had our best chance. Um, but look, we met a very very strong Gordon side, and uh, I know that's who you've been playing with lately. And uh, um, look, uh, to their credit, they, they won the state champs. We came second and, you know, I wouldn't have swapped it for the world. And, uh, you know, I, I was blessed to be able to coach some unbelievable players as well. Um, so in the Waratah system at the moment, Angus Bell and Will Harris uh, were both in that side. Um, and there's a couple of blokes uh, that are now playing in the NRL system. Uh, Matt Dury, who this year uh, made his debut for the Bulldogs, yeah, right. first grade yeah. debut. So, 
Um, that year, uh, in that team, I had about eight or nine players that made the New South Wales under 15. So, wow. you know, as a coach, you know, you always, you know, you, you got to be a coach for not just your best player, but your player that maybe needs the most development. Mm. But I was blessed with a, a cohort of kids that were unbelievably talented. And yeah. it's, look, it's un unbelievably satisfying to see them play. You know, I, I got to, I was out at Bank West earlier this year when, when, uh, uh, Angus Spell scored his first Super Rugby yes. try and he was man of the match. Yes, and I got to see him after the game and, you know, it was just a, a great experience to see someone that you knew when they were sort of 12 or 11 years old uh, become a man and, and, and play the sport the way you want it to be played and just to know that you might have had a little bit of an influence uh, is a really satisfying part of, of, of my junior rugby experience. Um, from there, I, I also got involved in a lot of administration. Um, so I was on the committee at uh, Hunters Hill Juniors for, you know, ended up being for about 11 or 12 years. Um, and also moved from district rugby onto the Sydney Juniors board as well. So I was on the, oh, wow. the board of Sydney Juniors yes, for three cool. years. Um, and that, again, gives you a different perspective because you've got a, your, your responsibilities across 60 clubs yeah, across right. across the Sydney Basin. Yeah, that gave me some opportunities to get involved at, in, in other rep rugby. Um, I also did a bit of rep coaching. I coached the Sydney under-14 side for a couple of years, which oh, wow. again, you know, uh, unbelievable talent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I won't name any of the players, but, you know, when, you, when you're coaching the best 23 kids in an age group in Sydney, you know that some of those are going to rise to the top and, yeah. and they're doing great things as they sort of keep moving through their rugby careers. Yep. Um, and then more recently, I've been on the board of Sydney Juniors, as, uh, sorry, New South Wales Juniors, um, working with Ben Gregory and being able to witness the transformation that he's driving in, mm. in junior rugby. And what he's done is nothing short of miraculous in terms of bringing together club and school rugby yep. under one umbrella. Yep. And the level of cooperation and cohesion that is being driven is, is just marvellous. So my, that, that's sort of my junior rugby career. I had a bit of a renaissance as a player um, <laughs> and I, for my role I, I, I get to um, travel quite a bit internationally and yeah. uh, I got the opportunity to work in Hong Kong and one of my customers uh, 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 bailed me up at lunchtime one day and he said to me, McCormack, you, uh, you play rugby, don't you? And before I could say, well, I haven't played for eight years, he goes, well, good, you're playing tonight because <laughs> uh, he was short of players for a charity match yeah, right. and uh, got to play that night um, he brought me, I had no boots, no gear, no whatsoever, and he pulled all that together. And um, what was great was at about three in the morning, the next morning, we're in a nightclub in Wan Chai in Hong Kong, and he said to me, you love that tonight, didn't you? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. from then, I actually uh, uh, had an on and off career playing with Kowloon, yeah, which is right. one of the great clubs in Hong Kong, <laughs> right. and that's afforded me the opportunity to, you know, I've, I've played a number of tournaments in the Philippines, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. Mm. Uh, it's it's just been, and, and again, a completely international experience with blokes from the UK, from uh, Hong Kong, from Africa, and mate, you know, just a wonderful uh, group of friends and uh, r r wonderful rugby experience playing in other countries. Mm. So, mate, you know, that's all before I got involved with Hunters Hill Seniors. Uh, yeah. That's been really something over the last three years. You know, we had a pretty tough run in, in 2018. We're in Kemble Cup mm -hmm. and... Uh, Kemble Cup is an amazing competition that, with some amazing clubs. You know, obviously people are well uh, aware of what Dremoyne and Mossman have done yep. in terms of their dominance of that competition. Petersham lately as well. Yep. Yeah, Petersham, uh, yep. colleagues. You know, uh, it's there's a lot of proud tradition in that yep. in that competition. You know, I, I love the fact that 
colleagues pride themselves on never being relegated, and yep. and that's something that you know that's a, that's a tough ask. Yeah. You know, um, for us, we weren't ready to go up. Um, we, we'd won the club championship, we were promoted, we didn't do the right preparation, and we paid for it, and we had a a pretty heartbreaking season. Um, seeing blokes that were used to winning in second grade being crushed in first grade, uh, it, it, sorry, in second division and then into first division, without the right preparation and support, you know, I felt that it was important for me as a good clubman to stand up and I, I, we, we really underwent a transformation because what was working in second division wasn't going to cut it in first division. So when we came back in 2019 last year, um, we really went about a transformation both on and off the field. Uh, we're really lucky we were able to engage Mark Philp, and I'm sure people out there would know Mark, and, and Philpy is one of the great identities of Sydney rugby, uh, which is amazing for a you know, six-foot-five Scotsman. But um, the fact is, um, Philpy, yeah. you know, he's been a long-standing uh, contributor at Gordon Rugby. Yep, yep. Um, we got Philpy in as a director of rugby, and he really taught me about transforming the front and back office. So it was about making sure things like, you know, you've got to have proper physio. Mm. You've got to, you know, get your kit right. You know, the little things. So we, we took all our kit to Canterbury. We've got a great relationship with Canterbury. The players love wearing the kit. They look good. They f have pride in their club. You know, it's, it's those little things. Running the canteen properly. Yeah. Running the canteen to a profit. Yeah. You know, it's not good enough for, oh, well, I, I cooked on the barbecue. I'll just get a free beer and a, and a steak sandwich. Mm. Yeah, we, we took a motto, everybody pays. Yeah. And that's because those dollars that you earn are the ones that pay for the things that are really important. So, you know, really simple stuff. We bought an ice machine. Yeah. Having ice at the ground, uh, yeah. just oh. simple things like that. Ice yeah, yeah. Right. so mate, look, we, it's been, we, we undertook a transformation last year. We, we, we went within an ace of uh, the club championship last year and Forrest you know, did, did a great job and they actually beat us in the grand final in first grade. We had all four senior teams in, in, in grand finals last year um, and, uh, you know, we, we won two of those four, which were probably ahead of where we expected to be. Mm. This year, I was very comfortable in saying that, you know, putting a stake in the ground, we want to win the club championship. We want to be the best club in Div 2. Now, obviously, you know, COVID has cast the cat amongst the pigeons. But here we are, we've got first and second uh, grade in uh, Southern Death Semis this weekend. Colts have had a good year. We've got a very young Colts squad, so mate, the promising future for the club. Yep. And uh, it's been great to be part of it as it's sort of you know unfolded from a, a really sort of dark corner in 2018 to here we are two years later and, and in, in pretty good shape. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd just like to um, pretty much co-sign everything on that. I, I remember playing... Juniors for Huntersville Rugby, and the same thing. I, I remember playing with um, a couple of the Kellaway boys. Yep. Uh, Andrew and Nick were in the year above mine at Brony Park. Yep. And they, Andrew was playing up at age group because he's Andrew. Uh, so he was actually playing with my older brother at the time. Right. And um, yeah, I, I remember I went to went to school one day, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll play with your brother on the weekend." I'm like, "He's three years older than me. What are you talking about?" <laughs> like, you know. So it was it was it was good fun. But I remember there's so many great memories um, throughout Huddersfield at juniors. We we actually went to, or I personally went to three grand finals, one one, and under twelves. And I mean, the team we had was just incredible. We went the year before we got we were undefeated and lost in the grand final by. I want to say 10 points to Collaroy. And yep. then the next year, we just 
killed everybody. We we had the same coach, the same team. And at the time, Ben Gregory, at the time, as you said before, about how we got the schools in, yep. we had the Joey's team came in. They yep. had the, I believe we were we were under 12, so they would have had the 12 A's at the time. So yep. if you went to Joey's, you sort of played, played in that group. And it was great because what it did is it actually kept the two teams together. Yep. So it, there was actually chemistry there. At the time, I think a lot of the people kind of stuck their nose up and said, why, why are these guys getting... But it was good because it just created chemistry. And yep. if you, you split up the team that lost the year, that lost in the grand final the year before yep. and the Joey's team's just new to it, it would have been a different dynamic. So we actually went back uh, we actually went back that year and beat Collaroy in the semis and I believe we beat Roseville in the grand final. But we just we were just men on a mission. And yep. uh, even at twelve, I mean I remember our coach Jim Dunnett at the time, we were we were doing laps on the on the netball courts there it was it was grass then we yep. were doing it with laps there and he was just saying like you know we're preparing you for the grand final this is pre-season week one and we're like, like 12 <laughs> weeks away mate like you know yeah but we but we knew every training session he said that and we sort of just kept kept rising into that so and i felt very much at home at hunters hill i've been fortunate enough to play 100 junior games there yeah my 100 100 junior games jersey that I walk around sometimes trying to get special treatment at the club but looks like no everybody mate. pays mate <laughs> everybody pays <laughs> but yeah that, that's important you yeah. know I think yeah. um, I always take the position that they're look like any junior sport there's a lot of people that they're just focused on trophies yeah um, I think that it's all about the experience and and I know that you know I was lucky enough to be managing a cohort of players at, at, in under 10s we had four teams mm. and every one of those four teams those kids would uh, hopefully reflect on that as being a part of their formative years and mm. mate that's the responsibility you got you, you know people going off their brain on the sidelines is not a good sort of policy for helping youth develop that's right so uh, that's right. anyway that, that we're, we're being sounds like we've both been very lucky to yeah, uh, to definitely. be involved in the good Good times. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so um, <laughs> that was a long 18 minutes of your journey, mate. I appreciate that. Um, no, it was good. I was, I was very interesting. It was, I really enjoyed the part about you going overseas because I think a lot of times um, as, a, as a junior player and as a 23-year-old myself who's still really at the beginning of his rugby journey, um, it's, it's to a lot of people, and especially in Sydney, it's Waratahs or bust. And yep. that's our schoolboys and bust. Yep. And there's, there's such this big market for people who want Aussies to come over in any position to Hong Kong, to Japan, yep, 100%. to all these places. And it's a passport, you, mate. It is. And as, as you said, um, you get so many different experiences, meet so many awesome people. I was fortunate enough last year to go to New Zealand and Christchurch and just had this awesome experience, completely different to Australian rugby, which yep. is awesome. It's what yep. I wanted. I was by myself. You meet, you meet. Oh, there's a couple of Aussies there, so we just hung around each other. We had the Kiwi boys there. There was some Canadians. There was Germans. It was there was there was everybody, and you just you just felt almost bonded together that you were so different. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's. I had honestly the time of my life doing that, and I think stories like this is great because we get to hear from you as a president, but also see that you know. I could go over to Hong Kong and, and potentially get the same opportunities and, and, and stuff like that. For sure. And, you know, the beauty of rugby is you, as soon as you turn up, you've got an instant family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. People will accept you. And, and I think it's very intimidating sometimes, especially in another country, to just turn up. 
But, um, you know, I would recommend people do it. And, uh, again, you know, you use your networks to find people who know people and, mate, you, you, you'll find there'll be a warm welcome and, you know, after training you'll have a beer with people. You'll end up knowing people. Next minute you're, you're integrated into the fabric of the club. And, again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed by the fact that I feel that I feel part of a number of clubs yeah. and they're, they're in my blood, you know yeah. what I mean? It's it's That's the beauty of rugby. It is a passport. It gives you those pathways that I believe no other sport can yeah. and, and yeah. the camaraderie that no other sport has. So It's part of your makeup as a, as a man too, isn't it? Or as a person and now that the women are involved, but it's really part of the... It's really what makes you who you are going yep. forward. At least that's, that's what I've Correct. seen out of it. So, uh, mate, Luke, tell us who your favourite player was growing up, mate. Who mate, you idolised the most? Look, I, I uh, uh, idolise, I think he was the greatest player I ever got to see was David Campisi. Oh, right. Um, I was at Hunters Hill too. Yeah. Was... <laughs> uh, it, well, it's, it's interesting how life works. You know, uh, when I was at uni up in Armidale, 91 World Cup, uh, he was absolutely at his, you know, uh, peak of his powers. And uh, for a lot of time, you know, I, uh, you know, he... he Campo as a player is an acquired taste. He had as many fans as he had detractors. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I was always a, a strong fan. I always thought that he brought far more to the game than anyone else. But um, it's interesting, you know, having got to know David, uh, you know, he is a wonderful individual. Uh, we've actually had him do some coaching at Hunters Hill, but all that w- was preceded by the fact that he was my favourite player. And, and again, you know, winning a World Cup, you know, it seems like a long time ago, but... Mate, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life and I was on the other side of the planet, yeah, you know right. what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, um, I've been to the last four World Cups. It, it is, it's as, for a rugby nut, it is yeah. as good, it's like Disneyland, right? It's got everything. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, mate, Campo first and Daylight second. Yeah, lo- lovely, lovely. Well, see, for me, I was I was a big John Eels fan growing up. Yep. So John Eels was, was the man and uh, it was to the point where as a... As a tall second row, I'd practice goal kicking, which 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 my <laughs> wow. dad which my dad didn't really like at the time because you know I just wanted to I just eels was was is god to me you yep. know yep and um, I've same thing I've I've been fortunate enough to meet John Eels and I look I looked up to him I still still do in a way as physically as well yep. um, but he's again just I think I think all those players especially who've who've won World Cups are, are very understanding that they're held at such a high standard yep and i think and not to take it away from anything of the current wallabies or the current players but i think when you have success people people idolize you a little bit more than what you would before so i think for them they've obviously had thousands and thousands of, of people idolizing them yep being i guess worshipped by them saying you know or worship them i should say saying you know Wow, like as you said, greatest greatest rugby experience you're overseas. I was in Christchurch last year when we beat them, beat New Zealand in Perth. Yeah, right. I was in, oh, wow. I tell you what, oh, <laughs> the chaos I caused at Christchurch. <laughs> yes. So you know, it's it's and as you said, it's the best feeling, especially when you're the only Wallaby supporter in the room. It's you have to let everybody know. It's almost like a rule. Well, yeah, it's it's a fine line, right? Because if you value your life, then you need to be careful. <laughs> but look, I think that. Um, you know, one of the great things about Australian rugby is the openness of some of the people that we've mentioned. You know, they're very giving of their time. Yep. They they understand the, the role that they play. But just generally, I think we have such a collegiate rugby community mm. that you can, uh, you know, you can be sort of brushing shoulders with, with people that have been at the highest levels of the game, but they're still people and yeah. they're as interested in you. And that's what I think defines 
uh, a great person when they're not just it's not about them but they're actually interested in who you are what 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 offer stories that you've got to offer and uh you know again I, i've in my my time uh in hong kong you know i've had the opportunity and the company i work for we sponsor the classic wallabies and uh being involved with people like justin harrison and stephen mm -hmm. halls you know mm -hmm. just wonderful individuals that yeah. that really um hold the game in a very with in a very precious place and and understand that they're custodians of the game and mate again yeah we're very very lucky in, in australia I, I just don't think you get that in any other sport i agree i hear um so as as we've talked about before uh we've, we've we've talked a lot about and you've mentioned a lot of subbies rugby clubs yep i have this i i think i'm a bit on on uh, by myself here but i have a couple of ideas of how to quote unquote improve subbies rugby um, to me, and a lot of this is, I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased towards my experiences in New Zealand. So when I was in New Zealand, we had first grade, second grade, and then that was that was pretty much it. So the best players were playing in ones and twos. Yep. So for me, I just think from the Wallabies down, the way you rebuild Australian rugby is, or, or by the players-wise anyway, is you have the shoot shield, you keep it as it is, and yep. you have... Two, two teams or, or one squad and then maybe a cult squad so you have ones and twos 60 players cult squad 60 players just like they would in, and again a lot of that is preparation for them to get to TARS anyway because that's what they do in, yep. in New South Wales anyway yep. um, so I would have that and then the threes and fours they almost act like junior rugby here so obviously our junior Hunter Seal our junior rugby's are uh, Mossman, Norse, Dremoyne, and uh, Norse Pirates, and Norse Pirates. Yep. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, you know, say I say I'm playing for the Waratahs, I align myself with Hunter Rugby or Dremoyne. I go back. That's the third grade club I'm for. Yep. And then when I, um, if I make the next grade, I'll be representing Norse or maybe yep. Gordon want to. So there's true pathways. It, exactly right. And I think the reason you want to create a true pathway is because if we get people from overseas coming to play here and we say, don't go play for Savvies because it's a bit of a piss up, go yep. to play for Shoot Shield. Yep. And they've got to pay 450 Rego for, yep. and it's, it's this big, and then they just come back to Subbies because they're enjoying their footy anyway. Well, you know, the, again, there's the challenge in, in Subbies where you might be training three or four nights a week. Um, yeah, you know, there's the, the there's look. I think there's merit in what you're saying. Yeah, I, th I think that you got to give people choice. Yeah, but the problem with choice is that what it tends to do is create gravity around strong clubs. Mm. And so, look, yeah, you know, Mossman, I think of nine or ten grades. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, three grades of Colts. Whereas, you know, there are some teams, uh, and last year was certainly the case. Uh, there were some teams forfeiting Colts on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah, um, and. In, in Campbell Cup, and that's just not right. Yeah. You know, we, we need ways to spread the talent without mandating. Yeah. And yeah. my view is, you know, we need to help clubs be a good club. And and I, I when I started as president of Hunters Hill, I said, listen, I'd love to be a great club, but let's settle for being a good club. Mm. And let's be a players club. Let's be a place where players want to come. And why do players want to come? Well, they want to have a good time. They want to be the best rugby player they can be. Um, and that sometimes is to do with the players that they're playing with, but also the coaching that they get. Yep. Yep. So you've got, to, you've got to get all those levers in the right position um, and get people to make the choice to come to you. Hmm. But also, you know, it, 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 it is starting to look like the haves and the have-nots, hmm. right? Hmm. And, and again, you know, the fact that 
if you look at the Australian schoolboys, uh, as they come back to New South Wales clubs, they probably gravitate to two clubs yep. that will remain nameless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly and, right. And, you know, uh, some of the clubs in Western Sydney will not see a play. Exactly right. And, exactly right. you know, it's, I, I'm not suggesting we get into quota systems, or, but, but I just think that spreading the talent and having a more evenly based mm. set of competitions, whether mm. it be subbies or shoot shield, mm. has got a lot of merit. But I know that as soon as you start tinkering with the market, you can create situations yeah. where you might people drive, drive people away. That's right. So, look, it's one of the many challenges that rugby has. Mm. I think that I, I, I really think that New South Wales rugby's done a great job with Shoot Shield. Mm. I, I, I it agree. is the beating heart. It is. And I tell you now, um, the amount of people that uh, are watching it, you know, on some of the streaming services, um, there's genuine interest yeah, in what's definitely. going on in club footy. Definitely, um, subbies I think is also strong, but falls away too quickly. Yeah, COVID has been pretty yep. cruel to subbies. Yeah, a lot of clubs have just not been able to be competitive. Yeah, you know I lament every time I hear of a club that's that's died. I, you know it's like part of me dies. Yeah. you know because yeah. I just think about the fact that there's blokes that uh, and again I've I've played for clubs that no longer exist, and you just think that that jersey's not going around this week. And that you think about the effort that people put in, season in, season out. So, you know, it's it's a tough one because you can't create an artificial nostalgia. Mm. Yeah. You can't just breathe life into clubs. That's right. I think a lot of it's got to do with how do you get good support in the in the you know how a club is run. Mm. And again, one of the big focuses for us has been cults. Um, you know, because I, I think the cults is the engine room of your club. Definitely. You know, Definitely. We, we see pretty good migration from cults into grade. Yep. Um, and some of them will never get higher than third grade. Yep. Some of them are straight into first grade. Yep. And, you know, some of them could be playing first grade now. But I personally have a philosophy that if you're a cult, it's the last time in your life you get a choice. Exactly right. And so I say to coaches, let the player choose because it's the last time they're going to ever get to do it. That's right. So I'll say to first grade coaches, hey, if the if the Colt wants to play Colts, back off, mm. leave him alone, mm. because that's his choice. That's right. Um, and the reason I like that is because they have to find their own way. So, mate, it's a it's a challenge. I I do like the affinity between shoot shield clubs and subbies clubs. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would like to see that stronger. Yeah. And again, I've got a natural affinity with Norse, having been a junior president there. Um, you know, my sons play Colts there. Um, there is some lines that could be drawn, but you know it's got to be done in a way that people are wanting to do it. Yeah, I think there's an obligation on the Shoot Shield clubs to actually come down and reach into subbies and build 100%. build bridges. 100%. Sometimes they can be a little too aloof. Yeah, and they it's like they don't even know that subbies exist. Yeah, um, totally. And right. uh, you know I think they show interest in junior footy because obviously there's a lot of self interest yep. about you know maybe a pathway of players. Yep. Um, but, you know, it breaks my heart to know that I had players playing for Norse that are now playing, you know, uh, uh, first Colts uh, for other clubs around yeah. Sydney. Yeah, um, And right. I, I wanted to make sure when I was there that you create this affection and affinity and say, mm. well, that's my club. But, you know, that's trying to create tribalism. You can't always get it right. And, and you need the full value chain to be right. That's but, right. mate, that's right. there's opportunity. I just think that... Yeah, rugby's had so many challenges that mm. this is one that probably hasn't hit the priority list. But, you know, I think that it, it shouldn't be left un, unattended. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I agree with that. I think f for me, the, the, the thing that I, or the reason that I really enjoyed junior rugby 
and I never got to play reps, unfortunately, but my, my brother did. He was, he was pretty good um, in his day. Um, and actually, he played reps when Gordon was the representative for yeah, Hunters Hill. Yeah, that's right. So Gordon, I, when I was about 12, I think, we, they, we, or maybe 11, we changed over from Gordon to North. That's Norks. right. I was part of the committee that uh, instigated that change yeah, and, right. and moved Hunters Hill from being a village club of Gordon to village club of North. So, yeah, yeah, right. You know, I think it was actually really good for both districts. Mm, I agree. So what, what, what? Just, just quickly on that. What was, what was that? Was it just because it was closer, or no, was it? No, more it was of very a... simple. Uh, yeah, Gordon and its eight village clubs at the time had two and a half thousand juniors, mm. and North had five hundred juniors. And uh, you know, the the opportunity if if you've got one under fourteen side, mm. y- you might be one of a couple of hundred kids compared to or maybe one of 400 kids compared to one of 50 kids. Now, that's not about just trying to get more... It, well, it is getting better kids playing rep footy, mm. but it's spreading the talent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, we thought it made sense, and I think it's been great for Hunters Hill. It's been great mm. for Norse. Um, and ultimately, I think it's actually been good for Gordon. I, agree. I can tell you now, agree. there are people there that would disagree with that, but, um, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm yeah. very comfortable that it was a good rugby decision I agree I agree I think I think for me um, as I was saying before about the junior footy is that I think when you earn and the only reason I brought that that um, the the ones and twos in the shoot shield up as a squad is because I think a lot of times in rugby you need to earn the right you need to earn the right to be able to go to a shoot shield club I, I mean I'm I'm obviously bit of a hypocrite because I just sort of walked into Gordon and and you know sort of I've been injured all year anyway so but um it's more sort of I don't think you should be able to do that in a sense because only because I think Gordon uh, to me anyway I believe the clubs like Gordon and Norse and Sydney Uni are representative clubs and I think we need to have the distance between a a community club and a representative club and I think to me, it just works better that way. If you're part of a, and my 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 first coach Darren Coleman said the same thing at preseason. He says, you know, if you want to train twice a week, subbies is available for yep. you. It allows you to be flexible around work. Yep. When you're here at Gordon, we expect you to train when we expect you to train. And I think that if we, and I think as you as we've stated before, Shoot Shield is is has especially over the last five six years has just boomed yep. essentially. Um, I think any way we can get the players to be in a system where they're already used to, in a sense, being a professional before they reach the professional ranks, yep. I think will just improve their development tenfold. Um, so that's 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 the reason I I, I believe um, that should happen. You make very valid points though, because I, I believe as well a lot of people um, don't don't look at that a lot of people don't understand well it's i mean that's it just seems common sense why don't they sort of do it and i think getting your perspective on that being in the administration side in the juniors and understanding how it would work in the seniors as well you start to see start to see that um come out as well in the senior club yeah look there's some challenges that that also exist around uh locality so there aren't a lot of subbies clubs in Western Sydney, mm. right? Yeah. Um, but there are concentrations of subbies clubs in and around the eastern suburbs, for yeah. instance. Yeah. yeah. You've got two very strong clubs, Waverley and, and uh, colleagues, uh, only a stone's throw away from each other. Um, <laughs> look, I think at the end of the day, you know, um, it's 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 got to be a balancing act between people need to survive on their own. They need to be able to stand on their own two feet. Yeah. And that requires tough administration, you know. Yeah. It, it requires someone there every Tuesday night unlocking the sheds, turning the lights on, 
you know, it requires a lot of people that are not playing putting the effort in. Yeah. Um, and but again, I think that um, you know, it's it, it also has a an unbelievable resilience. And uh, again, I can tell you now at Hunters Hill, that our club was on its knees after mm. a year of. Uh, you know, we won one game in a season mm. and our third and fourth grades did not win a game all season. Yep. Um, second grade won a handful of games. So, you know, when you're talking four or five matches that a team, that a club wins. Now, thankfully, our Colts uh, were actually very competitive and made the grand final. Um, but we were on our knees. You can turn it around pretty quickly. Yep. Um, yep. And that's where the promotion and relegation system is good because it's about clubs finding their level. Yep. Um, and again, year in, year out, we see clubs that that get promoted and struggle. Mm. And I think that they probably need a bit of extra help because yep. if they're going to go up, yeah, you know, I think they have to go up. If they're smashing everyone in Div 3, yep. we well, have to go up to Div 2 exactly because right. you know, all it does is bad for the game if they keep consistently smashing everyone exactly in, div, right. div, in the Div they're in. But again, you look at uh, Forest have done a good job this year. They've gone up to Div 1. Yep. Um, you know, I think they're third, third last or in the yep. bottom half, but they're not stone motherless last and that's where we were. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Look, again, you know, Tim Richards and, and Tom Chadwick, they basically run subbies. Yep. They do it on a smell of an oily rag, but they they're do. amazing. They are. Um, they're fantastic. And, you know, yep. we're blessed to have people like that. Also, Kerry Brady yep. uh, running Definitely. Street Shield. Definitely. You know, it's amazing how resilient we are when you think about you know, we're just relying on a couple of key people, but rugby is that kind of sport. So I'm actually pretty optimistic about rugby. I think that Same. I think Same. COVID is actually probably one of the best things that could mm. have happened to us in a perverse way. I agree. Because I think that it's it's stripped us back to what, we're, what we are at a core. Mm. Um, I think that there's been, unfortunately, a lot of people lose their, their jobs at Rugby AU, but I would argue that those jobs shouldn't have been there in the first place. Um, and, you know, it's been tough. I know that, you know, I, I'm the first to really lament the fact that the DOs have been let go at mm. New South Wales Rugby. Mm. Um, and and I, I know a, a lot of those guys and I just think that was just uh, terrible. Yep. But there's some economic realities and I'm confident that we'll get back and regenerate. 100%. So 100%. I'm actually, I'm a buyer, mate. I think it's going to be great years ahead. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, the thing I used to always um, think to myself of being a cult, I actually played my final year at cult at, Balmain rugby. Yeah, now, okay. I was I was at Balmain because Ben Robinson at the time yep. uh, was I, I my first actually I played Colts my first year of Colts I was at Eastwood. Yep. And at the time I was this big fat uh, big fat front rower, and me and Ben Robinson were the last we, we were doing laps around the oval of course and of course being the two fattest guys in the in the squad we we were just having a having a yarn with each other and yep. as we as we were. I wouldn't even call it jogging. I call it slowly walking. I guess. Um, so we were, so we did all that, and then I, I think later that year, got employed by Tars as a as a DO, as a casual DO, and he uh, was playing at Tars at the time. Yep. Also, that was the last year he played because he yep. got that eye poke. Yep. Yep. So then I went to Balmain because he because he yeah, was he coaching was coach, and, yep. and he was he was coached there. So he was the coach there the last two years the year before they got eliminated from the Kentwell so that 2018 year when you guys were up there I was I was actually there at Belmont, yeah, okay, so yep. I saw I saw that and I just thought geez what such a good club last year because the year before you guys I think you guys won like first grade club champs yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty, similar it was... sort of similar to this year in, in, in an eerie way but um, for me when I was I was a part of that I played Colts and I absolutely adored Colts there because you have the, and I think every Colts boy, especially straight out of school, should at least play a year at Subbies. I think, I yep. think there needs to be, 
a way, as, and I, it's it's all about choice. I believe it is choice, but I think the choice that they're given is shoot shield rugby, and, yeah. and I think that's that's the only choice that they're given. Well, I think it's drummed into them that you got to go to you know Sydney Uni, or you got to go here, or you got to go there. Yeah. And the fact is, Colts rugby is not an inferior product, and I, I actually think in subbies. Yeah. And I yeah. actually think if you look at what Mossman have done, they've had some unbelievable Fantastic talent players. Yeah. And, and kids that are opting out of their final year of Shoot Shield Colts to go and play Subbies right. Colts. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot to do with the culture that Mossman have built. And, yep. mate, I think they are the, they're the North Star, you know, and, and they're probably at the point where, again, I, I'm not sure it's great for rugby for them to have nine or ten grades mm. in, for Sydney rugby, mm. for that level of cattle to be in the same paddock. Yeah. Um, but I can't, you know, you can't take anything away from what they've done there. That's right. And, you know, hats off to them. That's and, it. And, you know, again, I'm, I try and learn from great clubs all the time and, and there's plenty of lessons over, over at Mossman. Mm. Okay. So the last, last thing before we, before we wrap up here on the uh, second episode of the Rugby Podcast, um, and I think this one is, is, is very important because it, it kind of we, – we go back to, uh, I guess, the life after rugby. And I think as, as a 23-year-old uh, who's had a couple of injuries, it, it, it pops into your head. And I think especially when you don't make the top level, people start reminding you a little bit yep. as sort of as the years go on, you've got to start being sort of life after rugby. So I guess for me, and we've obviously talked about travelling all, all over the world, yep. playing rugby and having great opportunities. I guess for the young kids out there, I guess even for the for the for the old old farts are still running around and you know maybe they're they're going towards the end. Um, what values has rugby given you in your personal and or professional life that has made you so successful as you are today? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, it's certainly given me the power to scull a schooner of beer. Um, <laughs> it's also given me a, a unhealthy. Uh, uh, predisposition to Bundaberg rum. Nice, I love that. But, yep. but um, <laughs> I think it does a couple of things. You know, it, it, yeah, one of the things that we've really focused on is what we do after the game. Yep. And um, again, we want to be a club that welcomes our opposition. You know, you might bash each other on the field, but when you come off, you want to enjoy a beer. We pride ourselves on, you know, providing a feed to opposition players. And I think yeah, you know, that was again. That was the rugby I was brought up on yep. in in the bush. You know, yep. that's that's what you expected. You always went to the opposition's pub, and we loved it because mm. you got an opportunity to actually drink at a different pub in a different town. That's right. And look, it's easy to just stick with your mates, but typically you would interact with the opposition and you'd build relationships. And mate, that that is a life skill, mm. right? And I know it sort of sounds comical, you know, on the gas after a game but the reality is you're in a foreign environment and you're playing with people that were talking to people that you know two hours earlier were trying to take your head off um that that's important because you're representing your club so you've got pride in who you are um and and what you're about and it's an important part of the fabric of the uh, of mm. the game mm. and and i always think that you know every player is a custodian of the game mm. you know it's it's their responsibility to to uphold the values that make rugby unique yep. Yep. And um, so to me, there is a lot of flow on from that. There's the life skills you get, but there's also the network you create. Mm. And again, I, I could walk into, and I, I, I'm, I'm very happy that I can do this, um, walk into to most rugby grounds in, in Sydney and I'll see someone I know mm. and have a chat with them and, and I'm basically taken straight back to how I knew that person and it's helped me in my, in my career. Mm. Um, uh, again, some of the 
opportunity to work with elite players and as, as sponsors and that sort of stuff and, and get a bit of a view into the inner sanctum there. Mm. But also as players leave their own careers and, and you know, building a network of uh, relationships, I think rugby is unique. You know, we have uh, people that are, you know, from all spectrum of life in terms of, uh, you know, their careers. So, mate, they're the sorts of things that I think are really important in terms of your network, your life skills, your self-belief and your pride. And that's why I think rugby is unique and, and they're the things that I think have helped me. Um, but also, mate, at the end of the day, it's a game and you've got to do it because you love it. That's it. And you've got to have fun. That's right. And, you know, I, I took a leaf out of Ian McGeekin was the great Lions coach. And before he would send out the most fearsome team in the world, uh, besides the All Blacks, uh, to play the box or whoever, mm. he would just say, go out and enjoy yourselves. And I, that's something I always do because you should never forget to enjoy that's yourself. Right. And if he can do it, then I think it's something good enough for everyone that's to consider. Right. Yeah, here, here. Also as well, I'd just like to point out when I was at... I was, as I mentioned before, I've been injured all year, so I've actually come to see a couple of Hunters Hill games. Last one when I was there, I saw I saw this big fella doing doing a touchy at, for third, for the third grade game, and I thought, you know, that's what that's what rugby is about, and it only starts with the president. You know, the, it only starts from the top down, and then obviously straight after uh, we had a chat, you you walked over with a case and gave it to the other team, and and I think a lot of people lose that side of rugby, especially nowadays. It's not really. It's not really, um, I guess, prioritised. Yep. And I think, as you said before, that's it's how they play it in the country. That's when I was in New Zealand, we would have, we'd be dressing our ones kit. Other team would come in, they'd all sit down, or the at least the other first grade team would come in. They'd sit down, we'd give them a cheers, they'd give us a cheers, they'd skull schooner, they'd go back to their pub, and they, yep. they, that and that was it. But I I remember I sat there the first day and I was like, well, this is. This is sick. This is so cool. This yep. never happens in Australian rugby. Yep. It happens at schoolboy level, but never sort of... We've got to get back to it, mate. We've made a point of it this year, and it's a lot of extra effort. Mm. But you know what? If everyone did it, it's only half the effort. Because when right. you're at home, you do it. When you're away, you get That's it. Right. And, That's right. you know, I just think that, uh, again, I know Bush Rugby still prides itself on that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something that we think is... Uh, we, we want to bring it back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, mate. Well, I think that's uh, that wraps it up for today. So thank you very much for for telling me and and the audience about your rugby journey and and the things that rugby has given you in life. And hopefully, this episode can inspire some people in the rugby world to, if they if potentially they can't make the top grade, maybe they go overseas and travel, or yep. they they just really get in touch with themselves or look at themselves and say, why do I play the game of rugby? I think if everyone does that, it'll make the sport itself itself better. So, mate, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, good luck in the uh, in the finals and go hard and up the hillies, eh? Yeah, good on you, mate. Thanks for the time. Thanks, mate. Cheers.